Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McCown, and as always, James Kay. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm I'm very good. I'm a little stressed. I'm a bit... I'm feeling a bit... Uh, not what's the word emotional uh, passionate at the moment i've got a fire raging in me at the moment because of writing this episode so yeah it's quite cool <laughs> i'm all right <laughs> no i'm all right we do, we like yeah. a fire though it's good to feel something yeah so we haven't done any sort of uh political based episode for quite a while we've talked about some other things people in history and whatnot some nasty people I think the last political one we did was a Hitler episode, a Hitler series. Um, probably, and that was summertime, just start of summertime, I think. It was, it was a little while ago. So we've had we've had like a politic time off. Both me and James have been um, uh, listeners. We've been taking time a bit away from like the news and the politics and whatnot. Uh, in fact, like our, our, our pre-recording chat, I mentioned something that's going on in the political sphere at the moment. James was like, oh, I've not really been keeping up with it. Um, and I'll even be I'm honest like with you. I it. just, my, I just, I don't. I, I've just given up on most things that I cared about. This last year is just, I just can't be asked anymore. Like mm. I just don't watch the news. I just, it's so depressing. So therefore, I'm just out of uh, the loop of everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, are you aware of the vaccine rollout in Europe and how it's affecting us? Are you aware yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. Europe needs to get the fucking arse into gear. Like, <laughs> I've said to my dad, I am I was a Remainer, like a hard Remainer, but I think Brexit has done us a massive favour here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we dodged a massive bullet there. So thank you, Brexiteers. I, I still think leaving is a silly idea for other reasons, but... In a reason that, let's be honest, you can't sit there smug because you had no fucking idea this was going to happen. But it, it's helped us out, so <laughs> yeah. kudos. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing I suppose we can be thankful for Brexit in that sense. However, the uh, Brexiteers themselves cannot be gloating because there's no way you believe that this would happen. No, not a chance, not a chance. And yeah, it's but hey, we're, we're our vaccine's going well. I think next month's going to slow down, annoyingly because. Uh, distribution of the vaccine or whatever is slowing down but hey Europe really need to pull their arse into gear because we're doing okay and then Europe's where the fucking third wave is currently killing see yeah. this is I'm so, I'm left wing and I'm all for like free travel everyone should see the world everyone should be free however recently I uttered the words we should close our borders and I've never said those words before but Europe is fucking it so hard mm. that we should probably close our borders yeah exactly and it, it, it thing is as you said you're you're a left-leaning person it's not anti-left-leaning to say that you should close your borders at all it's doing purely what for the benefit of the nation you're living in right now and the benefit of the area you live in and once that's sorted you know you can i also think this summer we should have a massive campaign of getting people to holiday within england don't go abroad if you're booking a holiday abroad Oh, you're an, you're an idiot. I'm so, you're a fucking moron. One, it will probably be cancelled, and you're going to lose your money. And two, why? Why? All you're going to do is going to go to a place where a third wave is happening and bring it back. Stop it. Have you learnt nothing? This country is co- this country is quite beautiful. So fucking visit. Let's stimulate our own fucking economy, and the uh, EU will catch up. Yeah, unfortunately, James, I'm one of those people you're trying to go against here. Where uh, have you Where have you booked to? I haven't booked yet, but I am looking to head to Italy in the summer. Stop. Uh, and Stop. I'm very aware that it's not going well over in Italy at the moment. It, I think that would be a very short-sighted decision. I, I don't think... I can see a blanket ban on travel happening and I think you might lose your money. So, uh, steady yes, on. It is, it is something I'm monitoring at the moment, how how it's going and whatnot. It, it may happen, it may not. It's, it's literally a case of just keeping an eye on what's happening over there. Uh, however, I do advocate staycations. I, uh, Britain is a, a beautiful country. Go to Wales and Scotland and places up north, even go down south. It's, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. There's uh, so much to visit here. Yeah, so much to do. So much history as well, if you're interested in history. I love it, so yeah, go There's a lot of it. I work country. in a historical tourist place, and we need people to visit, otherwise I'm going to lose my job. So please, please, please well, James, visit you know places what? in England. Uh, in, in a... Well, <laughs> I apologise for this in advance, but uh, in, in a weird way, you are starting to sound a little bit like the uh, person we're talking about today in your wanting to stimulate... The nation's economy and holiday in the economy and 
and whatnot in in the UK and whatnot. Um, fascism, as as I will get to, they uh, believe in maybe episode two. I think it's at the episode, <laughs> end of this episode. I'm not entirely sure. Fascism is about looking inwards, doing what is best for the state that you live in right now. And in in a, in a way, that what you said sounded a little bit fascist. I've never been called a fascist before. This is the first, but I. I'm a, I'm a man of the world. If, if you spoke to me a year ago, or just before coronavirus, whatever, I'm all about free travel. I don't agree with borders. I'm one of those people that thinks borders are silly. However, mm. the last year, I think, has changed things. And when there is a pandemic that will take human lives, at that point, it does become about, especially especially England, because we're in Ireland. So we can look at places like Australia and New Zealand, who have done it right and are now okay they're they're opening nightclubs having great times having festivals we we have that same opportunity mainland europe a little bit different because of land borders but what we're seeing in europe at the minute we can't allow to come over here and that's not me saying like oh um i don't i dislike europe i fucking love europe i just also think that i don't want unnecessary death here because it's happening over there i agree nigel that's brilliant Steady now, steady. And as soon as this coronavirus is over, open up all the borders, let everyone do what the fuck they want. But I don't know. It, it's at a point now where we, I was about to say we have to look after our own. That's not what I mean. We have to. We have to. We. we, we, we to be fair, we do need to stimulate our our economy. We do need to do it. Otherwise, people are going to lose their jobs and poverty will rise. It's all. All I'm saying is from a good place. Well, all these things, uh, you should almost like. We should almost have a, a dedicated Facebook page or social media page called "Accidentally Fascist," and you will be the first entry in it, James. <laughs> I'm accidentally fascist. Why not? Uh, so I, I, I watched a video, and obviously in researching up to, to write this episode, I watched a video about uh, fascism and um, how actually, in some ways, there are elements of it we can take that are positive. Uh, obviously, for the most part, when, when, when we say the word fascist or fascism, uh, we inevitably think of these awful images uh, from the Second World War and, and uh, a period just before that, uh, the 20s and 30s, leading up to this nationalistic ideologies and whatnot. And obviously, uh, fascism, like a lot of things, uh, when taken to its extreme and taken way too far, it, it, it can get out of control. And obviously, we've seen... Uh, the extent as to how far it can go and how awful it can be for for uh, citizens of the earth, um, but there are elements of it that are can be taken in a more positive way, um, which we may get into later on in the uh, series here. Uh, but why don't we talk about who we're supposed to be talking about right now? Uh, and that is a man called Oswald Mosley. Uh, some people listening may be aware of the name. Uh, he's relatively popular in terms of uh, pop culture right now. If you're a fan of Peaky Blinders, you may have seen him uh, with his pencil moustache and being rather snidey, hanging around doors and trying to make plots and whatnot. Um, but yeah, in the past, on this show, we have spoke about some truly horrendous people. Uh, Catherine Knight, for example, who skinned her boyfriend alive. Uh, not alive, he was dead. Lucky for him, he was dead. But she did still skin him, which is awful. Uh, we spoke about most of the Nazi high command. Uh, and the, don't need to elaborate there at all. And we've also spoke about Caligula, who was just a, a monster created by his uncle. And these are all people that we could quite rightly call evil and the like but the guy we're talking about this week simply put is just a bit of a dickhead uh so yeah this week we're talking about oswald mosley but which one well certainly not oswald mosley nor his son oswald mosley but we are talking about oswald mosley's grandson oswald mosley yes oswald mosley's father and grandfather were all named oswald mosley and our, it's just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, our Oswald was nicknamed Tom. So from here on, if I say Oswald Mosley, I am referring to Tom Mosley. And yeah, as you said, that's just lazy. And I just easily made that sentence a lot more confusing for myself and the listeners. So I apologise if you don't understand where I went, but I really enjoyed writing that part. So who <laughs> is our Oswald Mosley? Well, born into an aristocratic family on the 16th of November in 1896, Mosley was the eldest of three sons to Sir Oswald Mosley, 5th Baronet, and Catherine Maud Edwards Heathcote. 
Now, it mostly comes from debatably good stock. His family can trace their ancestry back to the 12th century, and he is a distant cousin to Lady Elizabeth Bowles Leon. Do you know who that is, James? No, who is this? She is the wife of King George V, who is also now the mother, although now dead, of our current monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. So he's a distant cousin of hers. Well, there we go. Races yeah. exist in the royal family. Who would have? Is it <laughs> Who odd? would have thought? <laughs> so, even with distant family ruling as emperors in India, the Mosley family themselves are considered to be minor nobles. Uh, and this is where, for the first time this week, I would like to cue the rant music. So. Can we please take a moment to talk about this whole nobility notion, why it's a load of shite, and why we don't really see much of it now? So, if you think about it, the only reason that we have nobility, and why any monarchy-led country has had one, is simply because if you're the ruler of a country, it's pretty hard to be in all places at once. So, it makes more sense to have nobles or lords in place to rule an area on your behalf right it makes sense makes sense it makes sense right but the problem arises when that lord passes on his titles throughout his family so on and so on and now the great grandson is now this lord of a title that they inherited and it's been a hundred years since his family was given this land and title and now they don't like the new king they're feeling like biggie big bollocks. Their king's now coming up to them and saying, yeah, listen, remember, I gave your family all this land to help me rule the land, blah, blah, blah. I need your help. But now you're thinking, nah, don't really like you. I'm going to deny you. Things like tax rises and such, right? What you've done, inadvertently, is made your nobles too powerful and too important. And I suppose mm. we can actually thank the nobles and lords of old for giving us a proto-government right so they would hold the monarchy to account obviously um the old palace of westminster which is still there today uh, by the houses of parliament nobles and lords who were running land and area would come together the king would say right i want more taxes so i can go invade france again like is our tradition and the nobles and lords would say uh yeah okay we'll give you that bit of money and then when it's going badly they'll say no, we don't think it's beneficial to us or to the country. We're going to deny you the taxes. We're not going to war with France anymore. It is, in effect, a proto-government, but it is also a selfish one. The motive is based just on selfish needs and gains. It's their own money that they're giving to the king. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but really, what like I say, the nobles are just rich families that the crown would then use to prop up their own purse. So if you make the lords... And nobles have really nice, cool, fun jobs. It gets them on side and they may help you out with financial gain. Uh, for example, it'd be like um, our current monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, giving Richard Branson Northumbria and making him Lord of Northumbria. And then she rakes in all the money from that, right? Mm. That's kind of what it was. So my point being, what is the point of them now in today's 2021? What is it's the point? It's just... Uh... It's just tradition, tradition and titles. Exactly, right? It's like if you're if you're a sir, or if you're knighted, that doesn't make you a fucking knight. Exactly, like... exactly. And this is my point, James. A lot of the issues here are is hereditary. So that person who earned his title of sir has now passed that on to his great great grandson, who now thinks himself better than everyone else when he himself has done fuck all. Mm. So what is the point in them now? Okay, so it's government who legislates tax and other important bills. Not the lords, not the nobility, it's government. People that we, the people, elect to do that on our behalf. So what are they? Well, they kind of just, they mill around in bigger states with a fancy title on their post and that a fancy title that they themselves inherited because maybe their great-granddad did something of note to acquire it. So they might also sit in the House of Lords falling asleep or claiming expenses that they can definitely afford themselves, or they might argue over bills that were passed in the House of Commons that they can't actually do anything about. So what is the point? I don't get the point. <laughs> That's what irritates me, there James. Generally this is my isn't one. Yeah, there, there, there generally isn't a point 
to them. Like, you have, like, ladies, you have dukes, duchesses, sirs. It's just... It's fucking pointless. Like, I, I, I got into an argument with my family the other day because I said I'd refuse to bow to the Queen. And they were like, oh, you can't do that. You'd be, like, taken away and stuff. I was like, why? Why should I bow to someone who was just born out of a specific vagina? Because that's all she's done. I don't think anyone deserves to be bowed to. And I think those people that do deserve to be bowed to are the kind of people that say, no, no, don't bow to me. Just shake my hand. That's such a better sign of respect. The arrogant I'm types. not bowing to you and I'm not fucking curtsying. Like, I don't think you shouldn't be curtsied to, like... When did you what the Meghan Markle interview when she was like when I met the Queen for the first time I had to curtsy fuck that you're meeting your like boyfriend's grandma yeah. like fuck off yeah I I couldn't give a shit about your title you are not being bowed to no I which is why agree. I'll never meet the Queen and also if I ever get into a situation in my life where I'm offered a knighthood I would 100% turn it down I I, I agree I have no interest in that fucking title it's just all pomp and ceremony that I just refuse to buy into because it's a fucking institution that's built on racism slavery and fucking the oppression of the poor well also um it, it, it's someone whose title uh is purely uh backed up by their religion oh how did ryan get to religion how how did that happen no one saw this coming every episode every episode it just got to religion that <laughs> her notion of being important is the fact that she's supposedly anointed by God to be the monarch of this nation. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not something I believe in. Therefore, I don't believe that's the thing. a power gave you this anointment. It, You're nobody. You've just got It's a not crown. a constitutional monarchy. Exactly. I recently uh, wrote an episode for a little bit of a history podcast about the French Revolution, and that's a whole thing about constitutional monarchies and God-given rights to be a monarch. If you genuinely fucking believe that God wants you to sit on a throne and claim fucking all these riches and live a lavish life while other people are starving, you've missed the mark completely. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? I, I, If any, like, non-British listeners are listening, I think this is just proof that not every British person likes the monarchy. Yeah. There's a there's a big topic of contention in our country. Mm. We don't give a shit. And, and also, uh, me and Ryan had this uh, conversation recently about disbanding the monarchy and what that would mean. And people, the, the big argument for the monarchy at the minute is the tourists they bring in. To which I respond, so does Thorpe Park, but don't fucking bow to that. And also, why... No one comes. I think we said this. No one comes to Buckingham Palace to see the Queen. No, she's not doing fucking photo ops she's outside the front. Generally. They come for the building. Yeah, she's so never there. So why don't get rid get rid of the fucking family? Don't need them. It's pointless. And just open up. Keep all the palaces. Keep everything. Keep all the artifacts. Keep the history. Open it all up. Charge people to go in. You're making more money. This is what the Tower of London is. It's so expensive to go in there, and yet they're making more money. I guarantee than when it was fucking used to chop people's heads off. More than likely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as I say, it, 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 it's a position that is based on the belief of a, an invisible man in the sky, uh, and without that, there is no real need for you to be there. Uh, in fact, there the, arguably is no need for them to be there. Full stop. Um, but that and and the nobility itself, uh, their, their titles given to you by just someone who, again, is not I, in our opinion, of course, and it is our opinion irrelevant not not really useful to today's world it's not helpful uh so it, it's pointless and, I, and it bothers me as well there's some people who would literally fucking die for the monarchy yes Fuck it. why they wouldn't do why? it for you they would not do it for you they're not it's bothered it's so dumb exactly if if i was going into battle and a king was on his fucking horse leading the way i'd be like you know what fair enough i'll fucking follow him but no it doesn't work like that anymore. Again. Gone are those days. They just, like, but then if I was in the military and, like, Harry and William, they went and they were sitting by the side of me, I'd have so much respect for them. And I guarantee that none of them fucking people they were with had to bow to them. Oh, more likely, no. I mean, I refer to it again. Aragorn is a man worthy of being bowed to. <laughs> yes. And he stops the hobbits from bowing to them, <laughs> to him. Yeah, exactly. That bit tears me up every time. Yeah, it, I'm it's like, amazing. wow, that is that is amazing. So I, I'm someone who's actually I've been to a garden party in Buckingham Palace. I don't know if I've ever told you this. You haven't, no. <laughs> so I was an army cadet for the entirety of my teenage years, uh, and as I was during uh, during my time as an army cadet, uh, the army cadet force uh, celebrated its 150th year uh, as as exi- of existing. And uh, the, the the royal family wanted to honour that, and so they would, they held a garden party uh, in Buckingham Palace's back garden, and uh, ne- uh, army cadet forces from all over the Commonwealth were invited to come and join. So uh, there was Canadian uh, armed c- cadet forces there and the like, 
and i i was one of a few cadets that was asked to come along and it was one of the weirdest days mm-hmm. of my life prince charles was there <laughs> Uh, Prince Charles. I, he's right. I'm going to call him out. He's the one I think I would get along with the least. <laughs> really? Because he's quite left leaning, isn't I he? I think he's a. I think he's a. I just. I'll do, everything he did to Diana is just fucking dreadful. <laughs> and also, you know, you know the conversation about um, they're worried about what color the uh, Archie was going to yeah, be born. Yeah. I I my I put my fucking house on him having that conversation. Mm. Yeah, because even Harry alluded to the fact he's not speaking to his dad, and everyone else in the family is fine with. He even he, they fucking call the Queen, and yet his dad is the one that's like, "Oh no, I can't speak to him." Mm. It's like, "Fuck off, man!" You are the, what he's done to several like people in his family is vile, absolutely vile. Huh. I, I have no respect for Charles. I have so much respect for Harry. I kind of respect William. I think he's just kind of gone along with it because he knows what's expected well, of him. Yeah, Kate, yeah. I think, I, I think Kate's just fucking vanilla. I think that's the only way I can describe her. Um, Meghan Markle, so much respect for. I think she's fucking great. She came in, threw a live grenade, and I'm fully here for it. Um, it's just an institution we don't need. I'm, I feel very strongly about. I like it. it. Anyway, I like it. Fascism. I like it. So, so dear listener, if you ever meet one noble or royal, there's nothing special about them. All right, they've got a fancy title on their post, and they most likely have a bit of history behind their name, and they don't need Ancestry.com to help them discover their past, right? They've also likely got a bit of money behind them, but probably not as much as some of the world's celebrities nowadays. And as you alluded to, James, I will refer to the Meghan and Harry in being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, someone who could quite literally pay for the entire royal family for a year or two comfortably, okay? So yeah. just have that in mind, all right? The royals and nobles, not that big deal, all right? And I think so far this is as close as we've ever got to, well, no, it is that we have showed our opinion on monarchy and the nobility. Uh, and Oswald is one of um, them. Yeah. So back to Oswald. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so his childhood was pretty much as you would expect any aristocratic child's upbringing to be. So he had a father, Oswald Mosley, who thinks too much of himself to even be a dad to start with. Uh, as far as he's concerned, children are born out uh, are not born out of love, but more for the preservation of the family name. I mean, he named his son after himself and his dad, for fuck's sake. Uh, so, Daddy Oswald was also an incompetent husband, okay? If you asked him to give himself his own theme tune, he would more than likely go with Calvin Harris's I Get All The Girls, okay? And rather unsurprisingly, young Oswald's parents didn't stay together long, and they divorced when he was around five. He, with his mother and other siblings, moved in with his granddad, senior Oswald Mosley. His grandfather saw him as a second chance to right the wrongs of his failure of a son, and his mother too was very affectionate, nicknaming him her little man-child. So Oswald... Nice. Yeah. Oswald, like every other child born into aristocracy, would head off to boarding school before he was ten. He was not especially gifted in anything academic. He passed through school like any other child, just getting through. But he was a sportsman. He loved activities of the physical kind, including boxing and especially fencing, which he won many competitions in. Which such a fucking Tory sport. Though. Yeah, I was going to say, right? It's, it doesn't. I don't think it says much when only a handful of people play that sport you're in, right? So, if your school does fencing, you're probably going to be a Tory. <laughs> yeah, probably. I didn't get to do fencing at school. It was not on my PE curriculum. Okay. No, because if they gave one of our schools fucking swords, it would be chaos. <laughs> there would be death. Yeah. Arguably, the kids around my area don't need to be taught fencing. They're pretty good with knives as it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> Self-taught. But, you know, it, for instance, if five people played a particular sport and you happen to be the one that was the best at it, it's not that impressive. However, I grew up, and as James, I'm sure you did, we grew up playing football at school. That is the nation's sport, yep. and there are thousands, if not millions, of children in the country playing football. If you can get yep. to the like the Premier League or even League One, like if you can get to like the if you can get to like a notable league and get paid to play football, you are up there, in yep. my opinion, as like worthy 
You're a good fucking footballer. I don't care what league you're in. You're getting paid to do this shit. It means you're a good footballer. And that means you've stood out from uh-huh. the crowd. That is more impressive than being relatively good at fencing. And listen, I'm uh, listen. I, I'm not saying I could be any good at fencing. I'm just saying I didn't get to play fencing at school, so we don't know. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, you see, it was a Six Nations recently. You see Italy just get fucking battered every time. And that's because in their country, I, I imagine football is their sport as well. Yeah. So at school, they probably don't play that much rugby. We kind of play rugby at school. Um, we I think we played it quite... I think in the summer it was football and the winter it was rugby. Mm. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And I, the first time I ever played rugby, I broke every finger on my left hand. That's why I don't play rugby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... um. James, if you're willing to share, what was the name of your uh, secondary school? Oldbrook. Oldbrook. Mine was uh, the Bromford School of Science and Technology. Would you like to know the name of Mosley's prestigious uh, secondary school? Oh, it's going to be like fucking Mountbatten, fucking, I don't know, King Edwards? Was it King Edwards? It was not, no. Um, but it is, uh, so, far as, uh, so far as I was able to find out, the oldest of all, like, the uh, public schools or private schools, whatever they're called, it's called uh, Collegium Sancte Maria Prope Wintanium, or, you know, Winchester College. That's where he went. But I, I wanted to add... Oh, Winchester. Yeah, he went to Winchester. But I wanted to add the Latin name. I just thought it gave it a bit more, you know, Tory. <laughs> Yeah, it does because everyone's even nowadays people learn Latin, and they're just like, oh, but it's such a beautiful language. It's where our language stems from. I couldn't give less of a shit. It, but, it's it's a dead language. Who cares? It's like me writing hieroglyphics and be like, look at that. Look what I can do. No one gives a fuck. Obviously, there is a place. There is a place for learning Latin. There are obviously documents that are still written in Latin that we need to be read. So, but I don't think every child needs to learn it. Like Jacob Rees-Mogg no. is not. Indiana Jones. He's not going to be digging up any Latin anytime soon. In fact, he just uses no, it to be a it's, twat. It's like I, I I extend this further. Like if I say a sentence that is grammatically incorrect, but the message of the sentence is still relayed and you still understand it, could not give a fuck how it was presented as long as the message is clear. Yes, yes, absolutely. I just like it. It, it, it does. It doesn't bother me at all. I think we've become so obsessed with all oh, that's not grammatically correct that we lose messages. Because what if someone is so clever, like they're so clever and they have so many good things to say, but we shit on them because of the way they structure a sentence and it belittles them to the point of not wanting to write anymore. Oh. I think that's so sad. We do it with foreign people, James. That's what people do. Racist people do it all the time. And it's like, listen, if you can learn another language. You're better than everyone else, almost. I can't. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, generally speaking, English people go to other countries and just speak like this in the hope that someone will understand them. English is a very difficult language to learn. Uh, as I, I mentioned to James just before we went on air, um, I've been I've been going through the Marvel series at the moment. I'm watching like every film back to back from beginning to end in timeline order. And in one of the, uh, it was a, I think the second Thor film. Okay, one of the characters in it says, uh, 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 we are all but defenseless. Uh, and that threw me off because as far as I was concerned, like, all but was like, oh, so we're everything but defenseless. So that means we're fine, right? And it turns out, because I had to Google it because I got really interested. It turns out all but is a phrase that can be used in two different ways to mean two different things. So like to say, oh, we're all but defenseless, it can mean both, but it just means in what context it's used. So to say we are all, yeah. we are all but defenseless can mean we are hopelessly defenseless, like as in we've got no defences at all, or it can say we're pretty, we're pretty good here, we're sitting pretty, and the one thing we're not is defenceless, and that just blew my mind. And yeah, that, and we that, just, in a nutshell, we just why naturally... English is awful and terrible hard to listen. Terrible hard to listen, terribly yeah, hard sure. to learn. <laughs> But as na- native English speakers, we just naturally understand which one you mean. This is true. This based is true. on the based on the context, I have so much respect for people that learn other languages, like because we have people in England, of course, that like take languages at GCSE, then study them further. I have so much respect for that because I used to Skype every Thursday just to skip German because I hated it. Mm. Uh, ja- and then I went to Germany hard. and realised that I couldn't talk to anyone. Aww. This one woman, I, I got off the plane and uh, my, the right the train system in Germany is fucked. I thought it'd be efficient. It's not. Oh, really? Sort it out. I thought. Uh, well, I, mean, on the I board, was in Berlin. I was in Berlin and I found it to be very efficient. I loved it. I was I was in Frankfurt and I missed my connecting train and I got stuck in Mainz and I was it was horrible. Ooh. But on the board it just said arriving soon. I was like that that does nothing for me. Give me a fucking time. <laughs> but anyway, 
uh, this what I got off the plane. I walked to the train station, which is underneath the airport, and this one woman came up to me, clearly wanting to ask a question, and she started speaking to me in German, and I was just like, I haven't got a fucking clue. So I just responded, English. That's all I said, just English. She looked me up and down and tutted and then walked away. Oh, no. And I was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> I've only just arrived in your country and I've already upset someone. <laughs> Because oh, no. I studied this for three years and I had no clue. But I know, like, no spricken sie Deutsch uh, or mein Deutsch nicht so gut. Mm. Like, I can tell people generally that I don't speak German, but I was so, like, overwhelmed at that point because I just arrived in this foreign country and I was completely alone. Mm. So I was like, English. Yeah. I can say but I think the message day. was relayed. Yeah, I can say have a then. good day, which is, I think, haben sie einen guten Tag. And I think that's right. <laughs> good. Guten Tag is good days. Yeah, maybe. Or like, wie heißt du is how are you, I think. Yeah, yeah. This is not uh, uh, learned German with James and Ryan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to it. Uh, so in January of 1914, aged 18, uh, Oswald entered the Royal Military College of Sandhurst, where officers are taught even today. If you um, want to learn to be an officer in the military and not go through the ranks, you can go to Sandhurst. Uh, but little did he know that one of the biggest military conflicts in history was about to kick off in a matter of months. I mean, we've spoke about it quite often in the, on the show, so spoiler alert. Now, if he had known this, he might not have got himself kicked out. So if this were a book, and if it required chapters, I would affectionately call it The Birth of a Dickhead. Mosley was known to get himself into a few fights, but particularly with the lower classes on his weekends away from military college. And I don't understand why. He just thought it'd be fun to have a fight with the lower classes. But one fight too far with a fellow student got him expelled in June for a, quote, riotous act of retaliation. I have no idea really what that means. But of course, just a month later, a young Bosnian Serb shot an Austrian Archduke, which meant Austria declared war on Serbia which meant Russia declared war on Austria to support Serbia, and then Germany also declared war on Serbia and Russia to support Austria. Naturally, Germany worried that they would be left weak on their western side at war, then declared war with France, and in the meantime, waded through Belgium. We'll not get into that too much. And then that meant Britain declared war on Germany, leading to Oswald Mosley re-enlisting and joining the Royal Flying Corps. If anyone doesn't know how the First World War started by now, I don't know. I have no hope for you. Anyway. The First World War. Sec- yeah. It's- yeah. Now, if you was to ask Oswald about his war days in the Great War, he will vaguely state he spent the war in the air and in the trenches with his own regiment fighting. Now, this is half true. So I don't want to take anything away from him regarding his experiences, but I will call out the inflation of his story. So Oswald joined the Royal Flying Corps, but he wasn't this fighter pilot ace, like the the Red Baron or anything like that, but he, he was an observer, and that was the main use of planes in the early war days. You'd get in your plane, you fly over the trench, you draw a picture or take, or take a picture yourself and then bring it back and tell everyone what's going on over there. That's pretty much what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, did he see much action out there? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe there is other information out there, but I found it quite hard to find records of his experience the only thing i've managed to get is videos of him talking about it which is where i believe he's you know exaggerating a bit but what i yeah, sure. what i do know is that within a year of him joining the flying corps oswald was showing off at an airfield in shoreham while his mother was watching her manchild trying to perform a difficult maneuver he crashed his plane and required almost a year of operations to save his leg and get him walking again albeit with a limp for the rest of his life. He managed to get himself transferred and into the trenches of northern France in 1915, but his injured leg was not fully healed. In constant pain, he actually passed out at his post and, for the rest of the war, was given desk duty back in Blighty to keep him safe from harm. But, if you think that just taking part in the war would make Oswald insufferable, he now has a sexy war wound to show off. <laughs> and he was, in essence, the World War I version of Jay from the Inbetweeners. I shit you not, right? 
I'm telling you now, James, I would not <laughs> I would not be surprised to hear Oswald telling the story of his crash as such, saying that if anything, the wings to his plane broke while he was flying over the trenches, and that meant he had to then manually flap them himself across the channel to get back home. I would not be surprised if that was the story he told because he was such a knob. <laughs> so regardless He does seem to embellish the truth. It does seem to be so. And regardless, Oswald was now at the Foreign Office in London with a, a sexy new war wound, using it to seduce lonely women of uh, on, on his evenings. That was his thing. He just liked doing that. And, and during the day uh, at his day job, he would be moseying up to politicians and the military higher-ups and such, which is, you know, I suppose what aristocrats do, isn't that? That's what they do. Now, that's how he spent the rest of his war. And with the war over, it was now time for a nation to settle into its new normal. But with no university education or any employment experience, Oswald was a 21-year-old, like today, just looking for a job. He's got no experience. So he decided to go into politics, which I think says a lot about the profession, you know? What 21-year-old with no education in university or any job experience is like, I'll just be an MP? Um, it probably happens quite a lot. You get career politicians, which I generally disagree with. I think you should have some sort of experience in life before you become a politician. I know Boris Johnson was a journalist who got fired, what was it, twice? Twice. But we'll ignore that. For lying. Oh, who would have thought? Um, Keir Starmer was um, a human rights lawyer. Jeremy Corbyn. You know, I don't actually know. I just know that he went to a lot of protests. Yeah, I think he's been part of the Labour Party. I don't know, what, I don't know why it did for work. But, uh, interestingly, yeah. you get onto that, James, because this is where I want to, for the second time this episode, I want to cue the rant music. And yes, I want to talk about, as you brought it up, James, career politicians. Now, they were certainly a thing in Oswald's day and even before then. And with a, an education, a bit of money in your pocket, and a friend in the right place, you're set, okay? And you still see it today. So if we could, for a second, let's just remind ourselves what a politician is, shall we? So it's a member of the public who believes that they can make a change to the society in a way that benefits it, okay? That means... Anyone listening to this show can go into politics. If it's an ambition of yours, guys, or if there's anything you're like, do you know what? I don't like the way this is done. You can, if you want to, go into politics and make that change, all right? It's an ambition of mine to one day go into politics, okay? So do it if that's what you feel you need to do. But that is the job. But so long as the desire is to better society. So often we see members of successive governments appoint MPs to cabinet offices that they are totally ill-equipped to do simply to do that person a favour. For example, Gavin Williamson. Remember him? I recognise the name. Yeah, the human equivalent of yoghurt in a sock. He was the Secretary of State for Defence in 2018 when two Russian spies poisoned another ex-Russian spy in Salisbury. And I will put allegedly to that do you remember oh who his come response on now was? let's call yeah. the russians out fucking visiting a cathedral fuck off how dumb <laughs> do you think we are <laughs> i will say as well gotta keep that allegedly i think anyway gavin williams's response to russia during this time was quote frankly russia should go away and it should shut up this was our secretary for defense do you know what I mean? It's not, he's not, an, you know, as awful as it is, he's not a schoolboy in a playground shouting at his bully. Do you know what I mean? That's your Secretary of Defence for a nation. A crown nation to be at that, if we want to go down that road. And, 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 and dear listener, would you like to know what Gavin Williamson does now? Please. He's, he's now the Secretary of State for Education. Now, listen. Oh, it's him. Okay. Yes. Now I'm I'm not I'm not saying that a person can't be multi-talented, but I am drawing the line at saying you can be qualified to deal with the defense of a nation and what a child should be learning at school. I think the whole thing is fishy. I don't like it. That to me is career politician. Yeah, he's he's a giant fucking wet wipe. 
Yes, as, as I put it, I think rather eloquently, uh, the human version of yogurt in a sock. Now, yeah, is is uh, pointless, pointless individual. I am calling for change. Okay, so if any of our UK listeners, I mean, obviously, uh, wherever you're listening to us from, I'm sure there are uh, platforms for you to do it in your own nations. But if any of our UK listeners feel that they could actually do some good for the country or even the constituency that you live in, it doesn't have to be national politics. Just get involved in local politics. Make a difference in your own area. Where I live at the moment, with the winter just uh, thawing and we're now into spring, the roads around my area are dog shit honestly it's like driving on a teenager's face is awful there are potholes <laughs> everywhere okay and we're calling out for it like i'm i'm a mem- i'm a member of like our buzzard and facebook page where there's quite a lot of people on there we've got our local councilman that's on there and we're asking him to fucking sort this shit out because like at the end of the day you're deciding not to fix the roads because you don't want to pay for it well i'm now gonna have to pay for like my uh suspension to be fixed because now i've got driving over so many fucking potholes that i can't get around do you know what I mean? That's now costing me more money than the tax I'm paying you to fix the damn fucking road. So just yeah, do for it. sure. So Everybody as I say, pays road tax. As I say, if anyone wants to just just simply like get involved in their own community, go and register yourself as an independent at the next election to steal some votes from the strategically placed candidates from all the big parties. And I will point out they are strategically placed. If you generally. If your candidate is not from your area, that means they were strategically placed there by the party because they believe they will win it. They don't give Our a shit. Our candidate is a fucking prick. Like he's a proper prick. He's been in, he's been in, uh, our MP for so long as I can remember. We're, I'm a proper conservative stronghold. It's a bloody nightmare. You are. Yeah. But I sent him an email recently about what well, it was while the uh, Black Lives Matter movement was happening, and I sent him an email about it, being like, "What what, what do you propose? What are you going to do about this?" And I just got such a vague email like, yes, I disagree with racism. We'll tackle it at every chance we get. I'm like, will you, though? Because it felt like it's just very copied and pasted. Probably was. It was just... It, I just... He's a fucking... He, he, does he live around here? I don't know. I've never seen him. I've met the Lib Dem um, person because they come door to door. I just tell them respectfully, no, thank you. Labour, I don't have a fucking clue, but whoever's Labour around here... In fact, no, I do because I'm a Labour Party member and he emails me a lot. And... <laughs> I'm an advocate that I want him out because I just clearly it's not fucking working because he's been our leader for so long. I think we need someone youthful and fresh faced. But unfortunately, a lot of the youth around my area are also conservative because that's what their parents have told them to be. This is your opportunity, James. Uh, no, because I'm going to leave the area. Um, but all the, my area at the minute is fucked. Basically, we're just constructing uh, an old people's home every like 100 metres for some reason. Oh, wow. I don't know why. It's just, it's awful. And I've said it, I've raised the point many times, there is nothing here for young people. You, mm. you are not keeping young people here. So the, the area is going to die. Mm. And right, they, they right, just yeah. don't give a shit because the uh, old people's like, retirement homes pay them a lot of money to, to be able to build. Yeah. But th- there's nothing here. My area is shit. It's so boring. Yeah. So if you're if you if when the next elections come up or if you've had your local elections and whatnot, if your constituents, uh, if the people you're voting for, uh, the electorates are not from your area, have a look into them because if they've not lived here before in your area, I'm telling you now, they couldn't give a fuck about your area. It's the party itself that is trying to get power somewhere, and it will take any hold it can get hold of. In fact. We will come on to this later on. In fact, Oswald Mosley does try to do this himself, and um, it happens today, right? It's, it happens all the fucking time. It would be easy for uh, the Labour Party uh, to put uh, their own uh, ele- <laughs> um, candidate in Liverpool, for example, because they just know they're going to win it. So you could literally, if James or I became a Labour Party candidate, uh, and Labour were like, well, we're just going to put you in Liverpool, because just because you, you're Labour, you'll win it. I don't give a fuck about that area. I don't live there. I don't know the issues that are going on with that area. But someone that does live there, who does care, might be better. Anyway, all I'm saying is, if you don't feel like you can benefit the society you're living in as a politician anymore, fuck off and go get a job, okay? Because, but but unfortunately they won't. Because, James, I looked this up. Do you know how much an MP makes a year salary? Like 80,000? Yes, 80k. Just over 80k they make a year with expenses as well. So they can then claim their expenses on top of that. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with paying the MPs well for what they do because if they're doing the job and they're doing it right, it's worth the money. Like your, your job is 
quite important. I understand that. And also, it does encourage people like myself uh, from a, a, a working class family with not much capital behind me to go into and do that sort of stuff. Because if I became an MP, I'd have to work a job at the same time just to keep myself going. <laughs> you know, if it's not paying enough, I couldn't do it. If it pays enough, yeah. then that means I can go and do it. The problem is, is you get career politicians. And I, anyway, that's my rant. That's my rant. Rant over. Okay. <laughs> Back to the show. It must be scary if you don't if you don't uh, live in a stronghold. So every four years, there's a very real risk you could lose your job. Yeah, absolutely, probably. Yeah, but then as I say, I think that encouraged you to do a better job. Surely it does. Yeah, for sure. I. I, I like politicians need to engage with the people they represent because I think it's they they forget that they represent people. Yeah, they're not voted because their views are fucking elite. They're voted to represent the views of what people want, and somewhere somewhere along the line, we've completely lost that because I don't feel represented. I don't think anybody feels represented, to be honest with you. Mm. No, absolutely. Anyway, back to it. Oswald he decided to run in the first election since the Great War began and ran, naturally, for the Conservative Party. Now, in the 1918 election, Oswald Mosley was elected member for Harrow and was, at the age of 21, the youngest MP to take his seat in the House of Commons. Now, his political philosophy wasn't a complex one at the time. He really only wanted for uh, one thing, and that was to make sure that a, a war, such as the Great War, to never happen again. And that's something that a lot of people can get behind, considering the immense loss that the nation was feeling at the time. They're like, we don't ever want to see this again. So, yeah, sure, if if you're calling for that, you're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. That's cool. Go sit in Parliament. Now, one thing of Oswald's did shine through, and that was his oratory gift. He was an impassionate speaker. He was so gifted as a speaker, often taken to the House giving uh, a speech just with no script for prompt and he could go on for about an hour just doing a speech and people would just be captivated by what he's saying he's pretty good at it in fact he was the hot prospect of the time and the conservatives were lucky to have a young fresh voice in their ranks like as you said james you know it's young fresh it's it's good this is what we need to liven up and change something now, things looked to be going well for Mosley. He was even about to get married into a rather prestigious family. He had bagged himself the hand of Lady Cynthia Curzon, or Simmy, as she was known uh, affectionately. She was the daughter of Earl Curzon of Kedleston. He was once a viceroy of India, and he's a big name in the political sphere. And it actually, it took Cynthia's dad a bit of convincing. See, he had Oswald for what he was, a social climber and after the family wealth he was like no i know exactly what you want i know exactly what you're trying to marry into this family and it took oswald a long time to convince him otherwise but he did convince him because he's got the gift of gab the wedding was quite the event Mm. many many guests including the future king george v and father to our monarch uh currently he attended the uh wedding with his wife obviously a a distant cousin of uh, oswald's and it's all going well until Oswald fell out with the Conservative Party he was in now over their handling in Ireland with the Black and Tans. Do you remember Black and Tans, James? I do, yeah. Yeah, if anyone doesn't, look back at our Winston Churchill series to find out a bit more about that. I love that we've covered almost so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Almost every episode we do, we can almost relate it back to someone we've done. Yeah, it all links. It all links. So, Oswald Mosley... Uh, due to the uh, the way the Conservative was handling uh, the issues in Ireland at the time, quit the Conservative Party, and he did so in dramatic fashion. He simply stood up and walked across the house to the other side, where, where he then declared himself as an independent. He didn't even join another party. He's like, no, I'm out. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're dealing with it. I'm going to represent myself and just sit as an independent. And he would actually go on to represent himself as an independent still in the 1923 election and surprisingly he retained his seat in harrow it turns out the people of harrow they quite liked him regardless now the labor party had actually won that election for the first ever time and they formed a government so guess where mosley went to next right into the arms of the labor government pledging his allegiance which you know more than likely was more him biding his time to see which side won and which might give him a bit more power and influence. And it backfired when the Labour government 
in the next year, the 1923, there was a snap election. They lost quite badly. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, that's this is here. Here is where, sort of where we see uh, a career politician, right? Um, Mosley saw that now that he's joined the Labour Party, the, 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 the constituency of Harrow had, at the, I assume at that point, been a Conservative stronghold. Now, he is now a Labour man and he's now sitting for Harrow still. He doesn't believe that Harrow will elect for him again. So he decides, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to run for Harrow. I'm going to run for the seat of Birmingham Ladywood. So does that, ring a, does that name ring a bell for you, James? Obviously, you mentioned earlier. It, it's going to be around my area. I don't specifically know where Ladywood is. As you carry on speaking, I'm going to look it up, but it'll be close to me. So Birmingham Ladywood was the seat of Neville Chamberlain, obviously a famous politician later on during the Second World War, or just before it anyway. And um, yeah, he was never going to win that. Like Oswald was never going to beat Neville Chamberlain. That was his firm seat. You're never going to get it. But that was his career politician move. He was like, no, fuck it. I want to move somewhere else. I'm going to try and win it. Doesn't give a fuck about the area at all. He just wants to get back into the house. That's all he wants. And I don't like it personally. Anyway, Mosley would spend the next few years trying to write his own manifesto of a utopian economic world. Uh, And, you know, taking a page out of his dad's book on how to be a shitty husband, he became a serial adulterer, going so far, get this, James, to strike an affair with his wife's sister. Oh, come on now. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I believe this kind of affair happened quite late because we'll get onto later on uh, something happens between the two of them and and i think this may have been after his wife but regardless you don't sleep with your wife's sister i mean the only no that's fucked the only other person we spoke about that's done that was uh uh, who was that prince prince charles uh used to date diana's sister what (laughs) oh yeah Uh, but not only this right you think that's bad that um oswald struck up an affair with his wife's sister he also struck up an affair with her stepmother he just worked his way around the family. He did. He really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a bit of a knob, a bit of a dickhead, as I said. Now, by 1926, and apologies, guys, if you're getting lost. I know there's a lot of dates. There's a lot of like, you know, calling of an election here. Just bear with me. It's, it's all context that's needed for the guy. By 1926, Oswald was back in business as an MP for Smethwick in Staffordshire. And by 1929, Labour was also back in business, winning an election. So I will point out that um, Oswald stayed with the Labour Party throughout this period. uh, And he does seem to have changed his opinion a little bit. He seems to have become more left-leaning. He goes around and looks at um, slummish areas. And he's seeing how the people who live in poverty, how they're living. He's almost doing a Charles Dickens. You know how Dickens used to just like wander around the slums, look at how people live and go, this is awful. He kind of did that. Uh, And his opinion was... It, it, it slided from being a, a knob, an aristocratic knob, to just being a bit less of one and more understanding and more sympathising with the left and sort of saying, well, something kind of needs to be done here. So I will give him credit where credit's due in that sense. So Oswald, obviously still being with the Labour Party and them now being back in power, presumed that he would be given a big old state position by the new Prime Minister, Ramsay MacDonald. Uh, you know they were quite pally at the time so it kind of made sense but he would be wrong see oswald was given the position of chancellor of the duchy of lancaster and it's a bit of a wanky job and i don't mean that as in it's a bad one it's just one of those where the title is more than anything it's kind of a non-job it's just got a title and all the Mm. extra responsibilities get lumped in with the job as and when needed to make it more important. So, for example, uh, because obviously I haven't explained that too well, uh, Michael Gove was given that position in 2019. So you're not part of the cabinet, but you're part of um, the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. And then depending on what they give you to do as that Duchy uh, Chancellor, you can then sit in the cabinet as like an extra member but not really being a part of it it's a way of almost sneaking in a, a, an extra sub at football so Ma- i get you yeah michael gove's a prick as well but- yeah exactly michael gove's a bit of a knob michael gove was given that position in 2019 his extra responsibilities was to advise the government on brexit and obviously michael gove was a bit you know uh, a few issues i think he'd run for uh, uh 
to lead the Conservative Party as well. And obviously Boris Johnson won that. So it was like, oh, I can't really have him in the cabinet, so we'll give him this position. He can kind of then sit in it. So that was that. So that's what that job is. And Oswald's job specifically was to solve the unemployment problem, which is no small job. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, exactly. But Oswald's methods weren't liked by his superiors. So the world at this point is in a bit of a pickle, all right? And that's an understatement because the Great Depression had struck. And in the UK, it was pretty dire too. Mosley had become convinced that a command economy was the way forward. Now, I'm going I'm to put it out straight away now, guys. I, I hated doing this part of the research. I've already messaged James and said I've had to almost learn basic fucking economics and this was, this sucked, right? This sucked. I fell asleep so many times mm. watching videos about this. I've watched so many TED Talks. I've watched so many things. I've read stuff. And I... I it, right, put it this way, right? If, if I'm wrong at explaining this, right? One, I'm not an economist. Two, I fell asleep during my lectures. And three sod off all right so i will continue <laughs> so i found the best way to kind of explain what a command economy is is to explain what a free market is okay right a free market is kind of what we live in today for example if you want to buy an electric car there are a few companies that you can go to but one of the top dogs today is tesla people like tesla Therefore, Tesla gets more sales and then Tesla is also incentivized to continue making cars that people will like because that means they make more money. A free market works when the public decides that Toyota's new range of electric cars are better and they start to buy those instead of Tesla. Tesla then has to adapt and create something new that people will like or risk losing sales. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Supply and demand. So, this means the market is forever changing to the public's wants and needs. It also incentivizes companies to make a product that people actually want. And a command economy is a controlled one, almost fully by the state, who then dictates what a company produces. For example, the state now says, we're going to make electric cars. If that is the only electric car made and sold in the UK, there is now no more room for innovation because there are no more companies making it. They're all making the same product. Now, in a free market, electric cars will improve when a company identifies key aspects of the product that people like and then expand upon that idea. In a command economy, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't. There's no competition. It just makes this is the car we have. That's it. Now, the closest thing we have got to a command economy in history is the Soviet Union. Of course, um, before the Second World War, the Soviet Union was a very agricultural. Russia was an agricultural country, like lots of farmland and everything. And because it had a command economy, the Soviet Union, like the actual government running it, was like, right, put, put down your fucking pitchforks, everyone, and start picking up fucking uh, factories and tools and shit. We're now going to start making tanks and guns. And then within, I think, like, what, 20 years or something, they managed to become an industrial nation that could fight in Second World War. Now, granted, it did also incur a lot of sacrifices. Millions of people died under Joseph Stalin's rule. However, that's kind of what a command economy is. And the only thing we it, have... It, it, Go on, sorry, carry it on. sounds like it doesn't work. Because... No. As a, as a species, we like innovation. We like to keep moving forward, and we want to encourage that as much as possible. Yes, yes. No. So, um, the the closest thing we have to it today is North Korea. Obviously, North Korea is a uh, a Kermit country. It it lives pretty much in its own borders, not exclusively. Obviously, and we know it gets some stuff from like other communist countries, arguably China, which I would have argued is still not a communist country. But, um, yeah, there are elements to a command economy that do work and 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 so I, I said we live in a free market economy it turns out we actually live in what's called i think a mixed economy which is a mixture of command and free market because obviously a, a free market doesn't have any regulations it has no way of stopping innovation or change it, it just carries on it is the ultimate capitalist f uh form it is like freezer in his final form in fucking dragon ball z right um it just it just gets <laughs> okay. more powerful right and you can't stop it therefore what you need is elements of a controlled economy 
i.e. a government to come in and say look uh, you can make your electric car however uh, your batteries that you make cannot uh, impact the environment in xyz ways do you know what I mean? And then Tesla has boundaries and restrictions that they have to work within. So you, you you need a bit of both. You need a mixed economy for it to work. I hope this made sense. And if anyone who listens actually knows what they're talking about in terms of e- uh, economics, I hope I've done it right. Anyway, this is kind of the thing. This is what Mosley was proposing, basically, a control economy. He was saying, look, it's getting out of control. Uh, there are companies making shit that people don't really want. Um, or need and they can't afford to buy in the first place therefore i think in a reverse in almost like a a very Karl marxist way he was like we as the state must seize the means of production and then distribute and tell producer production what to make that will benefit and stimulate our economy uh the only problem with that though is obviously innovation you know it will get people jobs but then it, it sacrifices innovation it sacrifices uh international trade and such because then tariffs go up because he wants uk growth to be stimulated he wants people to buy uk stuff you know uh now as far as his government that he well works for sees it this looks very communist and that is not a good look for them so they're like nah um, we're not having it listen mosley shut up with your fucking theories and just do your job and do it a different way please all right that was pretty much how it went down so royally pissed off at that that he wasn't being taken seriously oswald resigned from his role and resigned from the labor party and then formed himself a new party creatively named the new party Way. it's like oh what 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 did the recent breakaway of politicians the labor politicians called themselves yes um now Oh, we will talk called? right i know exactly where you're going with this we will be talking about that particular group of people as well in next week's episode right they are called the independent right, okay the independent group that was the fucking stupidest idea of all time but i don't know stupidest is a word but i'm describing them as it it was fucking save, dumb save your opinion for the independent group for next week because we are going to talk about not okay. just um independent uk or as it's now called change uk uh we'll also we're also going to be talking about the brexit party uh, which is now called reform uk so we're going to talk about those guys next week okay so right okay but for the meantime oswald has uh, created his new party creatively named it the new party but what would this new party look like what kind of policies would it stand on well find out on the next exciting episode of dragon ball z and that my friends is the end of part one of oswald mosley i like it i I think for the non-politically inclined people that would have been a tough uh, tough listen but for those who enjoy politics i think that's great yes i I apologize now if you're not politically uh inclined in any way shape or form inclined uh i can understand this may be a lot however i do think it's very important to have all this background and information on the guy to kind of get where he's going really um obviously we always talk about uh, if we can find the information their upbringing how they got on and whatnot um but yeah i felt the added the added little bit of context was needed here and next week it may we be a little bit shorter but next week we're getting into the gritty shit man we've got we've got rallies we've got uniforms we're talking about fascists we're talking about italy mussolini hitler we've got all of that coming next week so yeah look forward to that all the boys all the boys all the big boys are coming in like i'll, I'll put it right now uh oswald mosley is just a glorified fangirl for the fascist leaders that's all he is right he would be yeah he would be in a cliche running up to him asking for an autograph posing with his two finger salute up like you know he'd be doing all of that he loves it but he'd be popping his leg as well in the picture <laughs> He absolutely loves it. Um, anyway, yes, I hope you guys enjoyed that um, episode. Uh, I know it was a lot. It was quite a long one, really. I mean, I feel like I just spoke so much. Um, but yeah, I hope it was informative. Uh, join us next week for part two of Oswald Mosley, and I promise I will wrap it up by then. Uh, follow us on all the social media if you do not already. That would be very, very helpful. Uh, you can support the show if you'd like to. You can send us donations, one-time donations is all. Uh, you can find a link to that on our link tree. It's always on our social media. So if you just find us on the social media, you can find us to donate to us, which is very helpful. 
Uh, if you follow us on, I believe Apple Podcasts is the only platform that I am aware of that you can rate and review your podcasts. Uh, please do so. Give us a little five star. Say hello if you fancy it. That would be very, very helpful. Um, and that's about it, I think. If Unless, James, you have anything to add? Um, I don't on this occasion. I don't. Brilliant. Excellent. All right, then, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Join us next week for part two of Oswald Mosley. See you later. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.